Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today, we are going to be doing our version of an NFL fantasy football recap show. We're going to call it Stock Watch. And if you follow me on Twitter, you do know that we have a now weekly content schedule for football season. And on Mondays, I will be here doing the NFL recap show. Tuesday, we will be previewing whatever PGA Tour event is going on that week. Wednesday, we'll be previewing the early slate of college football games for that Saturday. Hopefully, prices are out by Wednesday morning every week. Then Thursday, we will be previewing the next week of NFL action. We're going to call it buy, sell. And then Friday, we'll be previewing the late college football slate for that week. So we've got an episode coming your way every day, Monday through Friday. That'll take us right into all of the action on Saturday and Sunday. If you are interested in any of the articles or the lineups that I have been putting out as premium content, make sure you subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Also, all other updates will be available on my Twitter feed. Again, that's at Mike's Money Picks. You know, this schedule will probably keep it for a while. You know, NBA and college basketball season is coming around the corner. Once that comes around, we might figure out a slight change to it. We'll see how it goes. Um, but for now, we're going to be just talking NFL golf, and college football every single week. And we got a lot of content coming your way. Uh, So before we get into this NFL Week 1 recap, it was a crazy week. Let's hear a quick word from our friends at Anchor, and then we'll get to the stock watch. So we're going to call our recap stock watch because, you know, we kind of got a little bit of a money theme going around. So uh, instead of just going through game by game and talking about, you know, individual players, you know, we're going to categorize it a little bit differently, make it a little bit quicker, a little more efficient. Uh, so we're going to call it Stock Watch. So you're going to hear four categories for this Stock Watch episode, and that is Stock Up, pretty self-explanatory. Stock Down, again, pretty self-explanatory. Buy the Dip, which is somebody whose stock might be heading downwards a little bit, but I think will trend upward in the near future. And then Sell High, which are guys that, you know, performed very well recently, but are not going to be able to sustain it. And then the very last one is going to be what I call buy stock now, which is basically just waiver wire pickups. Guys, they're going to be available on the waiver wire who are going to be worth a roster spot and worth possibly starting in your lineup. So for the first one, let's go ahead and talk about some stock up players. So the first stock up player is Devontae Adams of the Las Vegas Raiders. Look, I had Devontae Adams five in my season-long rankings. I'm now realizing I probably should have had him at least three, if not one or two. My whole thinking in having him at five was the fact that I didn't think you could guarantee the same target share that he got in Green Bay in Las Vegas, given that Las Vegas already had Hunter Renfro. They already had Darren Waller. They already had a solid run game in Josh Jacobs. I just didn't think Devontae Adams would get the same amount of targets. Well, guess what? He did. He had 17 targets yesterday at all levels of the field, short, intermediate, and deep. And he had about a 45% target share. If that keeps up for the entire season, that will blow the rest of the NFL away. That is an insane target share if it sustains itself for the whole season. Now, Devontae Adams had 17 targets. Only seven other targets went to wide receivers. Of those seven, six of them went to Hunter Renfro, and only one target went to any other Las Vegas wide receiver. The good news is for us here is that pretty much all of the targets were concentrated between Adams, Waller, Renfro, and then for some reason, Brandon Bolton. I don't I don't get that one. But anyway, 
Adams pretty much dominated the targets, and there were pretty much distribution to those other three were pretty even as well. So what that means is if you're playing daily fantasy, don't play a Raider that's not in one of those names I just named. You know, even though Renfro got six targets, Renfro did not have a good day. I think he's still an option in daily fantasy. I'm probably not rostering or probably not starting him in my season-long fantasy. I definitely think he's worth a roster spot, but not starter. So, you know, we really didn't know how this Las Vegas situation was going to play out, but it seems that Renfro is going to be the one that gets edged out. Waller and Adams are still going to get theirs. Adams especially because that target share yesterday was insane. Another stock up player is going to be Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd was a guy that I'm realizing I should have been higher on in the preseason because he basically is almost like a receiver version of a handcuff. You know, when I when I say handcuff, I mean a backup running back that if the starter goes hurt is going to get the starter's workload. Well, guess what? Tyler Boyd's like a receiver handcuff. Yesterday, T. Higgins got hurt, and he might be hurt for multiple weeks with a concussion, and Tyler Boyd stepped right into the role, got the targets, got the receptions, got the touchdown. Now, he saw seven targets yesterday. He only saw four catches in those seven, but like I said, one of those catches was for a touchdown, and he definitely paid his value off in daily fantasy, and if you had to start him in season-long fantasy, you got what you wanted out of Tyler Boyd. Now, I do expect the Bengals' offense to bounce back. This was a very weird week one. You know, a lot of hype was about how the Bengals went out and signed guys on their offensive line like Alex Kappa and Lael Collins, and that offensive line had a lot of communication issues. They had a lot of breakdowns in protection. So I'm, you know, kind of assuming that they're going to get it back on track, assuming that they're going to get better as the season goes on. And Tyler Boyd, if Chaser Higgins misses any time, he's in that role and he's going to be a top 20 wide receiver week in, week out. Another stock up is Amon Ra St. Brown. So, you know, everybody that was down on St. Brown in the preseason was basically saying that he couldn't repeat what he did for the second half of last season. Second half of last season, he was the sixth best receiver in fantasy football. Everybody thought it boiled down to injuries and them trailing and just, you know, the huge workload for Amon Ra. Well, guess what? That workload is still there even this season and even against the good defense, even against a good quarterback because Darius Slay is one of the best in the league and he was following Amon Ra St. Brown and Amon Ra St. Brown still received 13 targets. That's a ridiculous number. It's going to continue his workload that he saw the second half of last season. And Amon Ross St. Brown is a thing. He's here to stay. He's going to be a top 20 wide receiver week in, week out. And I think after seeing him do this against the Eagles, I think he's pretty matchup proof as well. I think he's going to be able to score against good defenses, bad defenses, average defenses, whatever defense you want to throw out there. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get targets and he's going to score points. The last stock up player is going to be Saquon Barkley. So Saquon Barkley... Kind of like Christian McCaffrey, everybody's question mark was his health. How healthy was he from that torn ACL that he had two years ago and the myriad of injuries that he had last season? Well, guess what? The explosiveness is still there. He had multiple 20-yard runs, the longest of which was a 68-yard carry backed up at his own end zone. And, you know, he's just, he's still that guy. He's still Saquon Barkley. He had 18 carries on the day, and only seven other carries went to running backs, so he's seen very little competition for carries. He also saw seven targets in the pass game. Now, the Giants' offense was one of the ones that was a little bit of a mystery yesterday. Uh, I couldn't quite figure out what they were trying to do, aside from give the ball to Saquon Barkley. Like, their starting slot receiver, Wondell Robinson, who I was really high on, you know, got injured in the first quarter, 
And Kadarius Toney, who was supposedly their number one wide receiver, still couldn't even see the field with a slot receiver hurting. So they had one of their best playmakers that was over there on the bench for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason was, but it was just weird that Kadarius Toney, you know, he had all this preseason hype. He was an outstanding college receiver and he wasn't on the field even after an injury to one of the starters. So very concerning if you're a Kadarius Toney owner. But let's go back to Saquon Barkley. I don't know what the Giants offense is going to look like over the course of the season, but I do know that it's going to involve Saquon. I do know that he has his explosiveness still there, and he is also a viable pass catcher because of the seven targets that he saw. Saquon Barkley, big time stock up. He is a top 10 running back for the remainder of the season. All right, with that, let's go ahead and flip the script just a little bit and talk about some players that are stocked down. All right, so... The first stock down player is Alvin Kamara. So Alvin Kamara is probably the guy that might have been impacted by the loss of Sean Payton the most. I think that losing Sean Payton affected how Kamara is being used. I can't really figure out what the Saints were trying to do in this game because they were trailing most of the way. They were definitely trailing most of the second half, which would mean that it's prime Kamara time to have him in the game and, you know, be dumping it off to him, getting him some catches, getting him some space, and getting some yards after the catch. But he really wasn't in the game a whole lot. He only saw four targets. He only had nine carries all day. I'm just concerned about, you know, this Saints offense looks different. And, you know, Kamara was a guy that succeeded a lot under Sean Payton. Sean Payton's not there. So I'm very concerned about how they used him. You know, maybe it was just a week one fluke. Maybe it was a fluke that they were trailing to the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know, but I'm worried about Alvin Kamara. And I drafted him in the first round in multiple leagues. And, you know, obviously you're not dropping Alvin Kamara yet. You're not sitting Alvin Kamara yet. But I'm a little concerned with that workload. And I definitely want to see things improve before I'm willing to put him and keep him in my top 10 running backs for the rest of the season. Another guy who's stocked down is Damian Pierce. So all the preseason hype, you know, all the Marvin Mack getting cut, Pierce's RB1 news, and, you know, everybody just being all over him on Twitter and ESPN and everywhere. And he did not have a great first game. And he had a game script that should have went very well for him. You know, he's kind of more of a first two down back, at least that's how he was used in college, than a third down back because being a third-down running back in the NFL takes a lot of practice, a lot of reps in pass blocking and running routes. And the Texans were up most this game, meaning that it should have been time to ground and pound it with Damian Pierce on first and second down. And they didn't. They played Rex Burkhead, who is a guy that we are very familiar with as a very pedestrian running back. And in third down, they still had in Rex Burkhead. So Damian Pierce, um, he got out carried 14 to 11 by Burkhead, and he got out targeted 8 to 1 by Burkhead. Burkhead was on the field 60% of the time. I don't think that it is sustainable for a Houston Texans running back who is on the field 40% of the time to be a starter in fantasy football. I just don't. So Damian Pierce is going to need to find his way into more playing time before he is a week in, week out starter. And, you know, maybe he, he is just a rookie, it was his first NFL game. Maybe he works his way into that role, but he's not there yet, and he's not worth starting in any format. Now, another stock down player is Terry McLaurin. Now, I know what a lot of people listening are going to say, but Mike, he had 58 yards and a touchdown week one. Why, why is that stock down? Here's why it's stock down. 
he might have ended up with 13.8 PPR points, but how he got those points, the context behind it is important. He only had four total targets. That's not good for a guy that's supposed to be his team's number one receiver. The whole argument for McLaurin all preseason was that he had improved quarterback play with Carson Wentz, which is debatable, and he had incredible volume because he's his team's number one wide receiver. Among the receivers in that offense, Curtis Samuel had 11 targets and Jahan Dotson had five targets. So that means that of the three receivers who played a majority of the game, Washington ran a lot of 11 personnel. It was these three guys on the field. He had 20% of the targets, Terry McLaurin did. That's not including all the passes to Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick into the tight ends. 20% of the targets among the top three receivers. That's not a workload that is sustainable among a guy that you're going to be starting in your fantasy lineups week in and week out. I'm concerned about Terry McLaurin. Again, he had a decent day because one of those four targets happened to be a 50-yard touchdown, but I'm concerned. I, I just don't. The workload was not there week one. Maybe it turns around, but definitely Terry McLaurin stock down. All right, now the last stock down is two receivers that I'm going to kind of lump together, and that is Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson, because both of them, you know, kind of ended up in a similar circumstance. They were also kind of drafted around each other, but both of these guys played in games where their team had an offense that was successful. They were able to move the football up and down the field. Now, you know, they didn't score the most points, either of these teams did, but they were able to move the ball consistently throughout the game. Now, Amari Cooper had six targets out of 34 pass attempts. That's less than a 20% target share. And Cooper was a guy that was drafted being dependent on that target share and being dependent on that volume because Jacoby Brissett's not chucking it deep down the field. So if you're going to be getting targets that are short, you want to see a lot of those targets. And Cooper wasn't getting them. They were throwing to Donovan Peoples-Jones a whole lot. So I'm just concerned about Amari Cooper. He's definitely on my stock down list. And second part, Allen Robinson. So Allen Robinson, all we heard was how, you know, he's better than Robert Woods. He can run more of a route tree than Robert Woods, and they didn't really use him in that fashion. He was in the game the entire night. He ran routes the entire night, but he only saw two targets. Now, if you were to see the All-22 film, which because this game was out on Thursday, a lot of the All-22 film found its way onto the internet, and they had him running a lot of sit-down routes, like hitches, curls, spots, just not really utilizing Allen Robinson in what we know him as a big-bodied physical receiver. So I just, I'm concerned about how they used him. Uh, I think that, you know, he might end up getting traction becoming a starting receiver again, but he's not right now. He's, he's not somebody you can start in your fantasy lineups right now because that week one performance was very, very pedestrian. He was not getting the ball thrown to him. They would rather throw to Ben Skoranek and Tower Higby. So that's just a bad sign for Allen Robinson. And that is why he finds himself on my stock down list. All right. So we got two more, or three more, I'm sorry, three more categories. And then we will wrap it up with this recap. So these next two categories are going to kind of combine and be my trade candidates. So the first one is going to be to buy the dip, which is somebody whose stock, you know, is going down after their recent performance, but is somebody that I would trade for because their value is lower right now than it will be in the future. And then the second one is going to be sell high, which is somebody whose value increased because of their recent performance. And I do not think it is sustainable and you should trade them away while they have a lot of value. So the first buy the dip is going to be on both of the Packers running backs. So Pretty much, the Packers running backs were their entire offense. Like, 
the entire offense. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are both utilized a lot, and they're going to continue to be utilized a lot as long as that receiver room keeps performing how it did. So here's another thing that's interesting. A.J. Dillon was used a lot more than Aaron Jones was. Dillon won the carries 10 to 5. Dillon also won the targets 6 to 5. A.J. Dillon was the Packers' target leader. Now, A.J. Dillon, big running back, not somebody we expect to be getting a lot of targets. We expected those targets to go to Aaron Jones, and that's fine. Aaron Jones still had five targets. That's still second on the team. The Packers' offense will get better, and these two guys will be the reason why. They're going to continue to use the living crap out of these two running backs because they don't trust any of their receivers, and I think that if they find themselves in a game script that works out a little bit differently, then both these running backs are going to get a lot of usage on the ground and in the air. Because if you look at it, they were trailing by two possessions pretty much the entire game. They were having to throw. They were having to try to score quick and come from behind. And the running backs still were the two target leaders. So I just think that this offense is going to be dominated by these two guys. I think A.J. Dillon's value might have gone up a little bit because of this performance. But Aaron Jones' value definitely took a hit, especially considering that A.J. Dillon outsnapped him, outcarried him, and outtargeted him. But I like these two guys for season long. I'm still riding with both of them. I'm still sticking with both of them in my lineups for the foreseeable future. And if you're thinking about, oh, well, you know, which one of these Packers receivers should I go after? The answer is none of them. I mean, quite frankly, none of them delivered any kind of inspiring performance. The target shares were not there for any of them either. Um, so I would kind of wait and see what happens when Alan Lazard gets back. Maybe Alan Lazard's the guy. I don't know. But the Packers receiver room definitely was just not good this past week. And that actually, again, I believe bodes well for those two Packer running backs. Now, the second by the dip candidate is Chase Edmonds of the Miami Dolphins. So Chase Edmonds, you know, everybody wanted to say that he was in a committee and, you know, he was just the pass catching back. And after seeing how the Dolphins used him week one against the Patriots, that's just not true. You know, the running backs in Miami total had 17 carries yesterday, and Chase Edmonds had 12 of them. That's a lot. That, that's most of them. That's not a committee. That's a workhorse running back. And also, the running backs were targeted in the passing game five times, four of which went to Chase Edmonds. Again, that's not a committee. He's getting pretty much 75 to 80% of the work from running backs. He was also third on the team in targets behind Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. So, Chase Edmonds, the workload is there. The only reason we're not satisfied with his week one performance is because, A, he did not get in the end zone, and B, the Dolphins' offense was so conservative in the second half because they were playing with a two-possession lead the entire time. So if the Dolphins find themselves in a closer game or Chase Edmonds happens to stumble his way into a touchdown, he's a viable fantasy performer. He should be in your starting lineups. All right, that covers it for the buy the dips. Let's now talk about my one-sell-high candidate from yesterday. And that sell-high candidate is Cordero Patterson of the Atlanta Falcons. So, Cordero Patterson is a thing again. However, I don't think it's going to be a thing for the entire season, and here's why. Cordero Patterson, last year was his first year exclusively playing running back. It was his first year exclusively getting the ball and getting tackled that many times. And what happened? He was a huge breakout star the first half of the season, especially when the Falcons first put him in the starting lineup. And then as the season went on, his body broke down. He got hurt. You know, he had durability concerns as the season went on. And I kind of think that's going to happen again. If you look at what the Falcons did in the preseason, they did not play him at all to make sure that he didn't get any usage at all before the season started, which is smart for a guy who you're concerned about their durability. 
So I just think that, you know, the way they used him yesterday, he had 22 carries and five targets. So, you know, that's a total of 27 touches if he caught all his targets. That's a lot of touches for a guy who's not used to getting that many touches. So I definitely think that outstanding performance for Cordero Patterson. He looked great, but I just question the durability. I question his ability to do it for season long. And if you have him on your roster, I think he's a great candidate to try to trade now while people are looking at the box score and going, oh, crap, Cordero Patterson's a thing again. Because it wasn't Damian Williams. Tyler Allgaier was a healthy scratch. Cordero Patterson was the back yesterday in Atlanta. And like I said, I'm concerned about that being the thing all season long. All right. So that covers the two sell high and buy the dip categories. Let's now move it on to what we're going to call buy stock now, which is our waiver wire options for the week. All right. The first player that I'm going to tell you to buy stock now, get him on your rosters now, is Gerald Everett of the Los Angeles Chargers. The target leader for the Los Angeles Chargers yesterday had four targets. You heard me correctly. Four targets led the Chargers yesterday. Now, the caveat is that six players had four targets. Guess what? Gerald Everett was one of those six. Even with Keenan Allen being there before he got injured, Gerald Everett was still on the field, like, all the time. Like, he was basically used as their number three wide receiver next to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Uh, Trey McKitty, the tight end, was also on the field a lot yesterday for the Los Angeles Chargers. But I really like Everett's game. He is basically used like a wide receiver at the tight end position. His touchdown was insane, how he just kind of carried the guy into the end zone. And I really think that the Chargers are going to use Gerald Everett like a wide receiver. They're going to give him targets week in and week out. And so Gerald Everett is one of my buy stock now candidates. The second buy stock now candidate is Kyle Phillips of the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Titans in the offseason, we know they got rid of A.J. Brown, who was a target machine the past two seasons. And they signed Robert Woods. They signed Austin Hooper to play tight end. But the target leader for the Tennessee Titans yesterday was a little rookie slot receiver out of UCLA named Kyle Phillips. He was the leader in targets. He was the leader in catches. He was the leader in yards as well. Kyle Phillips had more targets than Robert Woods and first-round pick Traylon Burks combined. Clearly, Ryan Tannehill, in a receiver room where he's got a lot of new faces around him, nobody's returning from last year, he has chemistry with Kyle Phillips. That's the guy he's looking for. When the game was on the line and they needed to drive down the field to attempt a potential game-winning field goal, he hit Kyle Phillips on that corner route that got him into field goal range. So Kyle Phillips is looking like he could be the guy in that Tennessee offense. Now, this is still a run-heavy offense. There's still an offense that's going to pass to their backs a whole lot, apparently, is a thing now, too. But I like Kyle Phillips' game. I like the fact that he led the team in targets, and I think that that is sustainable for the long term because Tannehill has shown a tendency to throw to his slot receivers over the course of his entire career. All right, so those are the top two waiver wire candidates for this week, in my opinion. You got Gerald Everett and Kyle Phillips. Now, if anybody missed this list, I am going to be posting the best of the rest on the Twitter feed, but I do not want to get on the podcast and talk to y'all for two hours about an NFL recap. That's just not going to happen. So if there's anybody that you think I left out, follow my Twitter feed at Mike's Money Picks. That will let you know anybody who was kind of best of the rest that did not miss or did not make the cut to show up on this podcast episode. 
All right, so that pretty much does it, y'all. Make sure you stay tuned the rest of the week. Like I said, I've got content coming your way all week long. Second is going to be the PGA Tour Golf Tournament Preview tomorrow with the Fortinet Championship. Wednesday will be college football. Friday will be college football. But if you're just worried about that NFL action, Thursday is when I will be previewing week two and talking about guys I like and don't like for the week two action. All right, thank you for listening, guys. I will see you next time. Thank you.